Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you're having a great start to your Thursday. And of course, with it being towards the end of January, start of February, we're right in the middle of prospect list reveal season, I guess you can call it. And of course, you know, several outlets are on, on the national scene are releasing their top 100 lists. But here at BatteryPower.com, part of the Battery Power you know, family, we have just recently released our 2024 Top 30 list, uh, led by the efforts of Garrett Spain, who is with us once again. Garrett and me talked, I believe, uh, two weeks ago about the international signing class for the Braves. But this time around, really want to dive into the top Battery Power Top 30 prospects. Garrett, how are you again? Good talking with you again, sir. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm glad to be back. I, uh you sent me a message. I was like, wow, we usually don't do them uh, this close together. We only get together a few times a year, but um, I did to talk about it. It was a, it's always a fun project when we do our top prospect lists. Absolutely. And Garrett, if you real quickly want to go through kind of just, you know, how this process comes together, the other names with battery power that are involved with this, just kind of a, you know, behind the, uh, behind the scenes look at kind of how this comes together each year. Yep. So our other three guys, so we've have Matt Powers, who has been here for years now, seven or eight years, I think now for us. I believe 1997, actually. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just, it's just then, a, hat, a hat tip to the excellent work Matt's done for years. Yeah. And then we have Devin Sasigi and Brady Petrie, who joined us last year, have done great work with us. And we all, basically, we each submit our individual lists, and then we just composite the list from there and you know each each spot is worth a certain amount of points then it creates a composite that way whenever there's tiebreakers we handle it and overall it, it we've been doing it that way for a few years it seems to work well and get balanced lists but also balanced but unique to battery power where we're usually different at least on a few guys every year and then we each you know take a handful of guys that we like and write them up for our individual write-ups those are always a those write-ups are always a mixed bag you never really know who's given the opinions there absolutely and so garrett i'll start out with this so you've got basically what we have is we've got 30 prospects that have been ranked and you have five other honorable mentions as well but garrett i'll just start with to me what you know many probably you're looking at as being the, you know, top question here, when you look at this list as a whole, looking at, you know, going back, you know, even to, you know, 2021 or the the start of 2022, basically going back two years ago, um, you know, you had Strider, you had Michael Harris II. When those two graduated, that's really when, you know, the Braves overall minor league system kind of fell to the bottom, which naturally occurs with how much young talent graduated basically between 2018 and 2022. But when you look at, at at this list now compared to outside of Strider and Michael Harris, how the list looked two years ago, how the list looked a year ago, 
the overall depth of actual talent in the Braves system when you put together this list, is it significantly ahead of where it was even maybe 12 to 18 months ago? Is it a slow burn, slow progress? Just in a general sense, when you put together this list compared to the last couple of years, what are your thoughts? Are you seeing the overall talent in this system progress like you would hope when it comes to the Braves really restocking the farm? They've definitely done had a ton of additions to the system that have really helped bolster it. And really last year guys came up, but they didn't necessarily graduate. So overall they didn't lose a ton of talent out of the system last year. And a lot of guys tended to play well. And especially in the international market, they went out and they guys got guys like Luis Guanipa, Jose Perdomo, who we, who we didn't rank just because we don't, I, I don't like to rank guys right off the bat like that, but they've added a lot of talent there. They've really done well in the drafts in terms of getting multiple pieces in terms of rather than, you know, you know, they haven't really gotten, I don't feel that the system necessarily has that one true superstar talent. You know, you have Ms. Chauver and Waldrop who are, you know, back into top 100 type of guys, but they don't have that. They haven't really found that superstar type guy like a Michael Harris or Spencer Strider yet, uh, though you can see Waldrop reaching that point, but, in terms of the overall depth, they've really built out to where, you know, last year we did a top 25 because it was hard to get down to 25 and really feel like you were ranking real prospects. And I think this year we even got, you know, into the thirties and I was looking at guys and going, I can see those guys having big league roles. I can see those guys contributing. And it's definitely depth wise. They're a lot better than they were last year and they're not you know they were arguably the worst system and i think they're fairly clear i mean they're still in the bottom third but they're fairly clear at the bottom now absolutely and and and, you know that goes you know also along with the fact that you know the braves have done you know a good job you know again baseball america last week talked with uh, ben battler of baseball america we talked about the fact that the you know braves have been recognized as being one of the you know top five clubs and being able to you know transition or, or or translate pitching talent from the amateur draft to the major league. So, you know, the Braves' ability to develop pitching certainly has helped the overall look of their minor league system, plus, you know, them restocking the lower levels with some position talent when it comes to um, the international classes. But let's get started here, you know, looking at the, you know, bottom of the top 30, Garrett. And the first thing that stands out to me is a couple of noticeable names that have been on the, uh, that has been on this list multiple times, You have at number 27, Jesse Franklin, and then at number 28, Ambioris Tavares. Forgive me, I have a tough time with his name. But the reason I bring them up is that, you know, 2022, Jesse Franklin was all the way up to number 12 in the system. Last year, 16th. This year, 27th. And, And I think some of it has to do with the fact that he's had recent injuries. He's 25, and there just has not been a lot of progression. But then on the flip side of things, with Tavares, You just have someone who I think, you know, this time last year, there was some excitement to see what he could do. But you've kind of got two, you know, completely different paths. But for both Tavares and Franklin, you know, 2023 was definitely not the year that they had hoped for. What are your thoughts on both of those names ranking so low compared to where they were last year? Tavares is an obvious situation. He struck out well over 40% all year at the lower levels, and it's it's very hard for a guy to play that well, to play that poorly and ever have any level of major league success. There are things to like about him. He's athletic. He plays good defense and 
or he plays he has defensive ability he makes a few extra mistakes but he's young and that type of stuff happens there's power there there's defense there but when you strike out that much it's just hard to succeed and he doesn't draw a ton of walks either so looking at him from an on-base perspective it's really hard to project him past double a and he's really being bolstered up even into the top 30 just on his amateur um, pedigree and his raw talent built you know current ability wise he's really struggled and he's going to need a major bounce back this year franklin's offer it's harder to to judge because he missed basically all of last season with tommy john surgery and so it's hard to really judge where a guy is coming right off of an injury where they miss so much time franklin is another one where he strikes out a lot doesn't draw him very many walks and so He's not, you know, he's a below average defender. He doesn't get on base a ton. It, it's hard to rank him in when he's 25 and struggling somewhat to get on base at the double A level. That's not a great sign. But I, I do, I will say, I mean, Franklin, ton of raw power, arguably the best raw power in the system overall. There's, a lot to like there. It's just, I think his age and the fact that he's really, he's been injured. He was injured in college. He was injured when he came into the pros. He you know, missed time with COVID. He missed a lot of time last year. There's so much development time that he's missed that it really clouds his overall path to the major leagues. And I also, I tend to look at players, at least when I rank personally, I rank them based on where I think they can fit with the organization long-term. And I don't know if, I don't know where they necessarily, they could play Franklin in left field, but I don't necessarily know if he's kind of that guy who's going to be able to step up and play that well at the major league level for a team that's competing. Uh, He can't really hit left-handers very well either. So he's probably going to be a platoon bat. So, there are a lot of red flags with him, but I will say, I mean, the power is impressive. He's hit the ball a long way, and I really was impressed in the second half of last season. He cut down his strikeouts a lot. He started walking more and was more of a complete hitter towards the second half of the season, even though his power numbers dropped. And so I would like to see him go to AAA this year, and if he can have somewhat of both where he has a little bit of power he's able to get on base at a reasonable rate i think he could move up in the system but i do think overall his age and just the amount of development time he's lost has really made it hard to judge where he is and i also think i think a lot of his drop too is is a lot of these guys have just been drafted who are guys who have just filled in the system so i don't think that my opinion of franklin hasn't necessarily dropped it's more that guys have passed him and he stayed the same. I think that's where why you're seeing a rankings drop more so than an opinion drop on him. That makes perfect sense. And I mean, you know, if, yeah, if the opinion has stayed the same, that's perfectly fine. But at some point, you know, when you get to being 25 years old, you clearly ha- have, you know, some concerns about your health long-term. And now you also have the fact that, you know, hey, he, he, he's clearly an outfielder, but the Braves now have just, you know, traded for Jared Kelenic. And so in their outfield, they now have 
you know, their outfield positions all locked up for at least the next five years. It's just, it's kind of hard to see Franklin, you know, really making it make sense for the Braves. And as you mentioned, the bat hasn't really shown the ability to, you know, be something that could emerge at DH or something like that. Franklin just seems to be the usual case where if it doesn't work out for the Braves, maybe kind of like a Trey Harris like they did a few years ago when I think they went out and got, it may have even been last year. I can't remember if it was last year or 2022. Anywho, I believe that they traded Trey Harris for Ira Adrianza. May just be where they used Franklin as, as a small move at the trade deadline or something like that. It certainly seems for Franklin his opportunity is going to be elsewhere, but it makes perfect sense. While there are two different tales with Tavares, you hope maybe that he gets back on track with Franklin. The writing seems to be kind of on the wall that there may just not be the opportunity for him here, even if, you know, he does get back on track when it comes to his production. So then Garrett, despite, you know, those two, you know, kind of being lower on the list, when you look at that 21 through 30 spots on the list, and I encourage anyone that's listening to go to batterypower.com, you can see the list right in front of you, see all the write-ups for the 30 prospects as well on the front page. 21 through 30 in that ranking list, Garrett, one or two names that you really could see, okay, these guys have the potential. If they take advantage of their opportunity, they could jump up a significant amount of spots in next year's top 30 list. I really I really think if you look right in that 21, 23, right at the top end of that range, and those are kind of the guys that have the potential. Blake Burkhalter's definitely has that potential to go way up the list and really get to the upper levels of the system quickly, though he will be coming off of Tommy John surgery. So exactly how much he pitches and how good he looks, he may be a guy that doesn't necessarily go up very much because coming off of injuries, the Braves are very careful with guys and it's always tricky for a pitcher coming off of injuries, but Garrett Bowman, Didier Fuentes, both are impressive talents. Both should be at Augusta next year. Fuentes was at Augusta this year and, he wasn't necessarily ready for that level yet, but sitting in the upper 90s is a guy we really didn't know a ton about. Upper 90s fastball at 18 years old, and that's you know the impressive physical talent for him. He's a is a guy that we really like the arm talent there, and we don't feel that he was ready next year in the opportunities we got to see him, but we think that he's going to be able to take that next step this year and have more of a rise like some of the guys up at the top of the list, like Giancarlo Solara, who really broke out this year. And he's one that we've kind of pinpointed as a breakout candidate. And then Garrett Bowman was, I I believe it was a $750,000 bonus he got last year in the draft. Uh, and a guy that the Braves like a ton, big body guy out of, um, out of Florida and, you know, a great pick, pitch mix, surprisingly good to command for his uh, size because he's six foot eight. Uh, a guy that we think is going to have success next year. And so those two are the ones that we're really looking at. And we're going to get a lot of looks at that early in the season to see what they have. And they're ones that we're really excited about, but we haven't had, you know, enough of a look at either of them to really feel confident on putting them high. Absolutely. You need to see more about them. So in other words, you know, the, the intrigue is there. You just need to see more data, you know, more production to see where we go. Well, then we get into, you know, kind of the mid-tier of this prospect list. And this is where it gets a bit exciting. You know, you know when you look at um, the system overall, I believe, what, 17 pitchers, 13 
position players I may be a little bit off, but basically 60 to 65 to 35 to 40 pitchers to, to hitters when it comes to the top 30 list. You would expect that, you know, with how the Braves have kind of focused on developing their farm system. But when you get into that 20 to 14 range, Garrett, it gets a little bit intriguing when it comes to three position player names that I think could definitely, you know, continue to make their way up this list. Looking at um, infielder Saban Sabalos as well as um, um, uh, outfielder Douglas Glaude and um, last year's fifth round pick, but I think the pick of, that may have been the highest upside in the 2024 draft in, in, in terms of position players, um, Isaiah Drake. Just when it comes to Drake, Glaude, and Sabalos, when you look at those three, are should Braves country be excited? Are those three names to definitely watch when it comes to position players that could continue to progress well through the farm system? In Glode and Drake's case, they're going to be interesting going into next year because both at the complex level last year struggled with strikeouts. So I'm not even fully confident that they're going to push those guys to low A Augusta yet, and we may have to wait another six months to really see them. Glode in particular struggled very early with strikeouts. Towards the middle of the season, he really cut them down and he looked like a different player. Started to strike out a bit more as the season went on. But he's a guy that physically has developed well since they signed him a few years ago. Has a, more power than we expected to see from him. Seems like he can stick in the outfield, though he'll probably be a corner outfielder. A guy that I think... I think the strikeout numbers are deceiving and he's better than that but I do think that that's still going to be a concern with any player that you see that level of striking out for we're just gonna have to see if he can handle single a pitching Drake is another one that I think he didn't really get a ton of time last year but he developed especially late in the season and when the complex league Braves went on their playoff run and ended up winning the FCL championship he was at the leadoff position was really leading that team and had stepped up a lot, still striking out a lot, but the athleticism with Drake is off the charts, you know, double plus speed has power. The hit tool is really the question for him and how quickly he's going to be able to progress, but he was also a younger draftee. He was only 17. So he's one that I think we're, we're very excited on, but we're having to temper our expectations just because of, the swing and miss that we knew he was going to have even before he was drafted. So we have to temper our expectations, but he's one that I think he's the one player in the system that if he plays well, he's going to go up extremely quickly because we all like the physical skills there. Uh, Sabios is a player that I think could move quickly through the system. Great defender at third base can really hit the ball. I think there's more power in that bat than he's shown. And I think that he's probably going to start out in Rome this year. Uh, and I I really don't think that he's going to struggle. Now, last year, I kind of thought the same about guys like Drake Baldwin that we talked about later that I thought that they would start at higher levels and they kind of spent a lot of time at high A. But I do think that Ceballos, unfortunately, we didn't get a ton of looks at him last year because he got hurt fairly early into his career. But he's a guy that we're really interested in as his all-around game. And I think that he could be one of those guys, again, that moves into the top 10 next year in terms of position player prospects and one that we do like a lot. And I think we have him ranked higher than pretty much anybody else out there. 
And again, look at so so those are some exciting position player names. And you know, before we get into the top ten, you know, a lot of people you know know those names. But you mentioned you know John Carlos Laura, and and there's a there's a trio of pitchers you know in that eleven in that eleven to fifteen range. Um, uh, 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 Laura, Drew Hackenberg, and Cade Keeler, though the the other two I believe were the second and third round pick. For the Braves, um, uh, Keeler and Hackenberg, Hackenberg in the second, Keeler in the third. Those were the uh, uh, second and third picks for the Braves in the 2023 draft. Laura obviously had, you know, one of the bigger breakout years in the system last year. What about those three? Do we potentially see any of those three like having the upside of, of maybe being a, a number two, number three in a major league rotation? Or are we more looking at those guys having more potential than others in the system of maybe in, you know, 2025, 2026, kind of emerging just as rotation depth like Bryce Elder? What's the upside of that trio and, and who really stands out among those three as being the one to really watch this year? I think. You know, Keeler is interesting because if you look at him from a raw stuff perspective, he's off the charts. I mean, he's in the upper 90s, great slider. He has the raw stuff to do it. I have a lot of concerns about his delivery for him, but, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not that picky on a delivery. And, I mean, if he goes out there next year and proves he can succeed with that, I'm all for saying, okay, you know, there's conventional wisdom and some guys can go outside of that and still succeed. And if Keeler can do that, I'm all for it. I, I do have concerns about his delivery and whether he'll be able to command the ball, whether he'll be able to stay healthy, but the arm talent and the stuff is off the charts. Uh, Hackenberg was an interesting one because when the Braves took him in the second round last year, there was a really this air of what are they doing? And then they gave him $2 million and all of a sudden everyone's like, what exactly is going on that they're giving this guy $2 million? Now, a lot of that was because he was a draft eligible sophomore, but he came into the system and I was, I see what they were doing there. He just makes, I mean, fantastic athleticism. You know, he comes from a very athletic family. Uh, The he has a solid fastball, but he really, when you look, when you dig into him and you start looking at his breaking balls and his uh, change up, and you're looking at a guy that really he he doesn't have a great pitch, a standout pitch, but he makes all of his pitches well. He executes everything. He's able to keep the ball on the ground. He gets enough strikeouts. I don't. He's more. He's not at the level of these other guys in terms of his ceiling, but he's one that has already gotten a taste of double A could start there the next year and could be the next guy. You know, they've had a guy every year lately that's gone straight from a ball up to the major leagues. And he seems like he's probably the best candidate to do that just because he seems, even though his college numbers weren't fantastic, he actually seems like he's, capable of pitching at a high level right now and just in terms of his ability to execute all of his pitches. Um, Sean Carlos Lara, I mean, if you follow my Twitter at any point in the last year, uh, I've talked about him a lot. He just came out of nowhere last year. You know, upper 90s fastball, good spin on the pitch, fantastic slider as well. And, you know, he's another one that, you know, you see it a lot with those younger guys. The command is the issue. 
but he's athletic. He's only 20 years old. He was a later signee. He didn't sign until he was 18 years old, which is not typical for your Dominican players. So he hasn't had the same development that you would normally see from international players at that age. So he's more like a draft D in terms of where he is development wise and seeing a guy that was a very low signing. I believe he got like $10,000 come in and, you know, throwing upper nineties went up to Rome at the end of the season and had a ton of success there, 18 strikeouts in less than 10 innings. He's a player that I like a lot. Unfortunately, it's a reliever projection given the command right now, but he's so raw and he's had so little development that, you know, a step forward in his command because he made one last year because the command before was atrocious last year. It was bad, but it was serviceable at the lower levels. If you can take another step forward in a command, all of a sudden you're looking at a guy that may not have a conventional starting pitching projection in terms of his changeup is he throws it, but it's more just of a show pitch for him. But the Braves have shown, I mean, a guy like Spencer Strider, you can work with two primary pitches in the um, rotation if they're good enough. I think Lara's fastball slider are good enough. It's just a matter of how well his command develops, but he has the athleticism. He has the young age. He has the, arm talent i love lair a lot i just you know unfortunately command is kind of a hit or miss thing some guys get it and some guys never do hey gary let me ask you this question so laura was you know i don't want to call him the breakout pitcher of 2023 i'll let you define him if he was that but if you go back to you know last year with laura the year before you know, with the who you would consider the breakout pitcher of 22, the same with 21. When it comes to these pitchers in the Braves system, the, the the pitcher who comes out of nowhere to be a relevant or legitimate prospect, is there is there a certain characteristic with these pitchers? Is it finally getting control of high velocity that's leading to high strikeout numbers? Or is it something else that the Braves are particularly focusing on when it comes to their pitchers. Is there a certain trait that that those breakout pitchers in the Braves system year over year share? And if there is, is there someone on this list that could kind of be the lore of 2024 you think could be the breakout pitcher in the system this year? So is there a trait that these breakout pitchers share year over year? And who could that be for this season? I mean, mainly with the breakout guys, it's kind of coming in with, it, it, you know, if you come in and you're throwing in the upper 90s with a wipeout slider, we're going to turn our heads and look. You know, you saw a few years ago, it was Spencer Strider who came in and was that guy. Last year, it was AJ Smith-Shaver. This year, it was Lara. They also had um, Roy Bersalinas who had a breakout campaign like that. It's really just, if you show stuff like that, it's going to get the attention of anybody watching the game. And I, I think with a lot of those guys, you know, you see, and the Braves do a very good job of this with their scouting, their drafting, their signing of guys. They focus a lot on the makeup of guys and the work ethic. And you, when you see those guys that you know come in and compete very well, and Lara's one that you can see how well he competes. He, when he makes mistakes, he puts it by. He's on to the next pitch type of guy. Early in the season, you could see where he was nervous, and he would have issues with box. And when runners got on base, he would kind of waver a lot as the season went on he developed he settled in mentally and was able to handle the 
you know, load of a full season, going through a lineup multiple times, making his pitches even when he didn't have his best stuff and seeing guys mentally and how they approach the game and how they are able to execute in situations. I think that's really one of the hallmarks of a guy that's going to go to the higher levels and succeed versus those guys that get to the double A and flame out once hitters are capable of hitting them. Lares has really shown that he's able of capable of handling it mentally and being able to really progress quickly and make the adjustments that he needs to make. And looking at that standpoint of things, that's the thing that when, when you see a guy for us that goes from unknown to, you know, a top 10 guy, yes, we like the physical talent, but we're also looking at how the guy approaches the game and how he approaches his work and where he's making improvements. And Lara really ticked all of those boxes there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now we're going to get to the pair that I'll be honest are kind of my favorite pairing on this list. A catcher, Drake Baldwin, and um, infielder, Dave McCabe. Now, I, I have felt Baldwin, when you look at the Braves system, and you know that they have signed um, uh, Sean Murphy long-term. I've kind of looked at Baldwin, I'll be honest with you, Garrett, for, for a year or so now as being that prospect that the Braves could include in a trade package for, you know, a significant piece they could go after that could have good value, you know, could be an underrated prospect that other teams like. And also because of the fact that he may not necessarily have, you know, a, a clear path to Atlanta. And then Dave McCabe seems to be a player who had, you know, kind of has emerged on the scene here in recent months. Uh, some good power. I believe that the write-up for him is that he may have, you know, some of the most intriguing power in the system. But again, a player who doesn't really have, you know, a, a clear path to Atlanta. Looking at those two guys, give us a little bit of, of knowledge on them. But, you know, are these guys who you're really hoping continue to blossom to be a, a, the type of prospect that could be intriguing in a trade package? Or could you see for either Baldwin or McCabe them actually having a path to Atlanta in 2025 or 26? I think in Baldwin's case, the better he does, the more likely it is he gets traded. Right now, the projection is more of a high-end backup, low-end starter type catcher. And if he is that guy, he could really be the heir apparent to you know, Travis Darno, and he could be the backup and play that role very well. He hits left-handed, so he would compliment Murphy in that regard. He handles the pitching staff well. He has good receiving. So Baldwin is a player that I like and – but if he hits, starts hitting, if he keeps hitting well and he hits well enough at double A, that suddenly he gets starting projections. Now, all of a sudden, well, he's not going to start in Atlanta over Murphy. Another team might look at him and say, well, he can start here. What do you want for him? So I think the better Baldwin does, it's, you know, it's kind of a weird situation where if he impresses the Braves, he probably ends up getting traded because now all of a sudden, there's less room for him to get the playing time that he deserves. McCabe is a player that, you know, going back to what I said earlier, I like the progression of him through the season. 
early in the season, he really struggled with strikeouts. There was stiffness to his swing. He just didn't, he seemed almost rusty. The power was apparent. I mean, he's, he's an extremely strong player, but he just, you know, his athleticism took a little bit of a step back where they were hoping he could stick at third base. I don't see really any chance of him sticking at third base. He's probably a first base or DH and the Braves definitely have first base uh, handled and DH is, I don't know if he hits enough, hits well enough to really play DH or first base. Early in the season, he struggled with strikeouts. He improved as he went up the levels, but then he, he got into the Arizona Fall League, and once again, he was striking out a lot. And he can struggle sometimes with velocity. He can struggle sometimes with spin. It's seeing pitches for him that can be issues. And he had success at the lower levels, but he's also already 23. So he's a player that I feel really needs to go to double A and prove that he can hit that caliber of pitching and really hit good breaking balls. And if he can't, this is really going to be a make or break year for him because that's going to be his challenge. Go to double A, hit at that level. And if he can't hit at that level, it's really going to be hard to find a projection for him to the major leagues just because of the lack of a defensive home. The power is very impressive. He takes a lot of walks. He has, he's very patient approach. So I don't think that on base skill is going to be an issue as long as he makes enough contact. But I will say the player that he was at the beginning of the year versus the end of the year, you know, I've heard that he's, you know, the type of guy who grinds, you know, he comes in, he works out every day and he's really looking to improve and take that next step in his career. And you like that mentality from guys. Uh, His, he built out holes in his swing. He started, you know, pulling the ball more and hitting more power pull side. So he's making the steps that he needs to make to get to that level of feeling like he could be a DH at the major league level. And, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, I was saying that he struggled in the Arizona Fall League. I don't necessarily, after a guy plays 120 games in his first pro season, I don't want to put too much stock in a 21 game sample of a guy who was tired. You know, once you get to that level and that part of the season, that guy is going to be tired. They're all going to be tired. So I don't put a ton of stock into it. It is a note, and I do want to see him go to double A and hit. If he goes into double A and hits, I mean, I think you can find a spot for a switch hitting. I mean, you can find a spot for a switching DH. If he's if that's who he is with his power, if he can hit well enough, he doesn't even have to be an average hitter. He can be a below average hitter with his power, with his ability to draw walks that's a guy that can be a well above average hitter it's just a matter of really handling velocity and spin at the upper levels and we really haven't seen him do that yet and so he's in a position where we like the ability we need him to prove so then garrett as we're getting into the top um seven of or yeah the top seven of this list you know you've got the two top hitting prospects right now are Luis Guanipa as well as uh, Nacho Alvarez. And I would definitely say, you know, for instance, you know, if you, if you want to say there's a the most intriguing um, player prospect in the quote-unquote high minors, it'd be Nacho Alvarez. If you look at the low minors, it would be Luis Guanipa. 
What stands out to you about both of them? We obviously know with Alvarez, it's been well written about, you know, just the overall plate approach, plate discipline, just phenomenal in terms of his ability, you know, his pitch recognition, what have you. With Guanipa, I think that it's still more actual potential than progress. But when you look at Alvarez and Guanipa both, what is one thing about each of them in 2024 that if they do this, they'll really unlock the next level in terms of their prospect status to really become an intriguing option, maybe even in both their cases, uh, so, you know, prospects that could be knocking on the door of top 100 lists. I think Alvarez just needs it for more power. And we've, I don't know, his swing is not necessarily geared for that, but we saw him really take a more power centric approach towards the second half of the year without sacrificing strikeouts and walks too much. And he found a decent balance towards the end of the year. His power numbers fell off, but if he can be, even a slightly below our average power hitter, he hits. He's a good enough defender. I don't think he's going to be a great shortstop, but he can play the position well enough that as long as he doesn't slow down as he matures, if he can play shortstop and hit at the way that he does, that's a guy that is immediately valuable. And then if he can add power to that, if he can add power to that, you really feel confident even moving him, even if he has to move over to third base and saying, this is a guy that can succeed really anywhere you put him. He plays great defense, puts up great at bats. He has natural strength if he can tap into it. So Alvarez is intriguing. Just you need to see more consistency. If he could stretch that two-month span where he was hitting for power over an entire season, he's going to go up a lot of guys' prospects lists. Guanipa, I mean, the most interesting thing is just he has speed, he has power, he has elite bat speed he has all of the traits he just needs to play more um i i think that's really the thing with guanipa is just play more play against higher level competition and see what how he hits as he goes up the levels uh, right now all we have is a dominican summer league sample where we haven't even really watched him play baseball so it's really hard to get too terribly high on him but i know the ability is incredible there and seeing him against upper level competition is going to not necessarily upper level competition but going coming over stateside making that transition and seeing how he he succeeds there will be the next step for him and if he comes in if he's able to get to a ball this year i think that he's going to have a better chance of really proving himself nationally right now it's just a matter of you know he hasn't had a ton of playing time and he he was really a later he was a guy that developed even later as an amateur and wasn't one of those guys that was immediately liked as you know a 13 14 year old he was one that was more getting attention as he got closer to 15 and 16 so continuing to develop and get more eyes on him is really his the step that would take him to the next level so then when it comes to the top seven, you know, it's no surprise that five of the top seven brace prospects are pitchers. And I believe they're all right-handed pitchers. Forgive me if I'm wrong um, there, um, uh, Garrett. I believe that's correct. Yeah. That, that, that yes. Is. Yes. Um, the tier two, kind of that second level of the pitchers, J.R. Ritchie, Spencer Swellenbach, as well as Owen Murphy. Um, I believe that all three of them were, you know, tie, you know, picks in the top three rounds of the 21 or the 22 and 23 drafts. 
Correct me if I'm wrong, Swellenbach as well as Richie have both dealt with significant injuries. I believe Owen Murphy has been pretty consistent. I think he dealt with a little injury himself. But when it comes to those three pitchers, Swellenbach, Murphy, as well as J.R. Richie, who really stands out as having the highest ceiling? Listen, we're about to talk about Waldrop. We're about to talk about Smith Shaver. But who could you of those three really see themselves separate from the other pack? Richie may be a little bit behind because I, I think that he's still recovering from Tommy John. But uh, uh, Murphy, Swellenbach, and Richie, who do you really have your eye on? I mean, if Richie had stayed healthy last year, he would be in the top three. And he would have a very strong case to be above Smith, Schauber, and Waltrip. I mean, he was hit, hitting in the upper 90s, great slider, was throwing a changeup and a curveball. I mean, he has – all of the physical tools. He commands the ball well. He has athleticism, but he got hurt. You know, he struggled pitching deep into games, even as an amateur. So there are question marks there. But if you're talking about ceiling of the three, he's the guy. And he's the guy that we all liked. And we were ready to put him very high until he got injured. Uh, what he was doing early in the season was not fair. And he was not going to spend very much time in single A. He was going to be promoted very quickly. Um, Murphy's an interesting one just because he had a velocity dip last year, but he seemed to start to get it back a little bit towards the end of the year. I like Murphy a lot, maybe more than others. You know, he's got a great fastball shape. I really like his curveball. I like what he does with that pitch. His curveball and his slider, both are great pitches. He's an overall, he's more of an overall pitcher, a mid-rotation to back-end type guy that's solid and that I think he could be another one that could really go from the lower levels and really blitz through the system because he's shown better command. He's has three pitches he can use and he should be able to get to double A at least this year, which is very quick for a guy who's only going to be 20 years old. He's a guy that I like. I don't necessarily see him as an impact type arm, but I do see him advancing pretty quickly. Swelling back at swelling back at three. Of the three, the one that's most likely to make an immediate impact to the Braves in terms of the next two years would be Schwellenbach. He was a lot better. If you look at his numbers, if you look at his whiff rates, things like that last year, he didn't look great. He was coming off of Tommy John surgery, and so he was rusty, and he was getting hit more than we were expecting him to. However, the quality of his stuff is better than what he was putting on paper. He was making good pitches. He was his slider looked good. His changeup looked good. His fastball looked good. His command looked good. Everything looked good. The athleticism is there. He just needs more pitching experience. He didn't have a ton of pitching experience in college. He spent a lot of time down with the injury, so he needed time to get, get back into things. He also suffered an injury midway through the season, so he dealt with injuries. But when he was on the field, the Duff jumped off the page, and I think that you're going to really see him put that, you know, I think this year his numbers are going to reflect what he's actually capable of versus last year. He had decent numbers, but he didn't really strike out as many guys as we were hoping. This year I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to go take that next level, and I think he could be a mid-rotation starter. I mean, the Braves love him. They've always loved him. He's a guy that they really targeted back in 2021 and would have probably taken in the first round if he hadn't been injured. And so they really view him highly, and I think what we've seen out of him has proven that 
point, it's just a matter of being on the field enough and really getting those reps to continue to get back from the injury. He should be healthy going into next year and should start it. He may, I'm not sure if he'll start at high A or double A, but he'll, he's another guy that could end up in Atlanta next year. All right. So we're down to the top two AJ Smith Shaver, as well as Hurston and Waldrop. I don't think that it's any surprise all offseason. Ever since the Braves got Waldrop in the 2024 first round, I think that it was immediately viewed as being one of the best value picks of the first round. Now, on the national scene, uh, Hurston Waldrop. It typically has been ranked a bit higher, not not much. Like, for instance, um, I believe that it was Kylie McDaniel of, uh, of ESPN who, who came out with his top 100 on Wednesday. He had Hurston Waldrop at 77. A.J. Smith-Shaver was not ranked in the top 100. But Smith-Shaver very aggressively, you know, promoted last year, very aggressively used. He kind of surged up, you know, when it was, was one of the higher risers in all of baseball in terms of where he was on prospect lists. But when it comes to these pitchers right now, you know, Mr. smith Shaver showing he can handle the progression. Hurston Waldrop obviously has already, I, I believe, in all of the minors. I think uh, MLB Pipeline, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Garrett, they labeled his, um, they call it the knuckle splitter. They labeled it as being the best other pitch outside the traditional uh, pitches. Now, I, there's different setups there to success for Waldrop and smith Shaver. But what about smith Shaver? For you and, and, and the battery power staff right now, what made him number one and Waldrop number two? And overall, for both of them, what helps them take the next step forward this season to where both are clearly in top 100 lists and clearly ahead of, you know, ahead of the rest when it comes to the Braves minor league system? For Smith Shaver, for me, I have a lot more confidence in his starting projection long term. He's athletic. I think the command is going to continue to improve. You have to realize he's still fairly new to pitching. I mean, it was only a hundred and something innings before he made it to the major leagues. I know the work ethic is there. I know the approach is there. The athleticism is there. And he's just had to, he was pushed too fast last year and he had success. Now getting him to the major leagues was too quickly. I think that he was too good for high A and double A. It was very apparent early on. Uh, he got to triple A. He seemed to have a little bit of trouble. His slider backed up a lot there. And I think that's really the what I want to see from him is getting his slider back into the form it was in the lower minor leagues where it was untouchable. He struggled with that, but I think I'm – if you project from that point where that slider was, what we know he's capable of, the athleticism, where I think his command is going to be as he moves forward, I have a lot of confidence that he confidence that he's going to stick as a starter and a mid-rotation starter going forward. Uh, but I respect liking Waldrop more if that's what people do. I mean, I, Waldrop and Smith-Shaver at one and two, it's not a clear Smith-Shaver is much better than Waldrop. It's a 1A, 1B situation for me where – Waldrop is just so absurdly talented that, like, I don't care about his command that much. As long as he throws enough strikes, just throw him out there. He'll have a few games where he goes out there and walks six guys. I really don't care. He's so capable of making guys swing and miss, so capable of getting weak contact that I think regardless of his command development, whether he maxes his command out or only takes a couple of steps forward, he's going to end up being enough to start. 
he definitely has a high potential ceiling here. I'm just not as confident that the command is going to develop to the point that he's a consistent starter that you can trust in a playoff rotation. However, I think that's re- I think that's the defining line for a lot of people is if you believe that that command is going to come for Waldrop and I can fully embrace that idea. I know that he made he progressions from Southern Miss to Florida to the professional level. He made progressions there. He showed that he's capable of handling the you know middle level of the minor league system. So if you put him at number one, I think that that's a perfectly justifiable decision. For me, I have more confidence in Smith Chauvin. He's a guy that I've watched grow for longer. And so kind of being around the system and being around him for a couple of years now, I've seen Smith Chauvin beyond just what he is on the field. And so that a lot of that kind of feeds into the projections there where I have confidence that Smith Chauvin is capable of taking those next steps. I don't have as much experience with Waldrop in that regard. However, I mean, by all accounts, it seems like Waldrop is going to succeed. It was a great pick all the way down there at 24. And I think as long as you feel confidence in that projection, I mean, he's a, I think if you feel confident that he is going to command the ball well enough to start, I think he is above Smith Shopper. And I feel very, I'm fine if anyone makes that distinction. I don't have that level of confidence yet, though, as I see him pitch more, that's very likely to change fairly quickly. We didn't get a ton of time to see him last year. Got it. So that I think that's a great breakdown. And so, folks, that is the top 30 when it comes to the battery power top third of the 2024 preseason top 30. But Garrett, we're not done with you. Now, I'm going to be honest with anybody listening. I have not prepped Garrett for this at all. But, Garrett, are you ready for a little lightning round? Okay. All right, here we go. Jose Padermo. I know you didn't include him for obvious reasons, but if you were to include him, is he the best position prospect on this list? Yes, I would put him at five. Got I would it. put him at five below the below the four. The four pitches are above him, but I would put him at five. Maybe six. Maybe six, depending. We were there was a lot of variation on the ranking of J.R. Ritchie. I would personally put him below J.R. Ritchie, but there was a lot of variation among our individual lists for Ritchie. Looking at the composite top thirty, I would put him at five. Player outside of the top thirty this year that you feel could securely be within the top thirty. Come, I. Like Javier Valdez a lot, catcher at the double A level. I don't think he sticks at catcher. I think that's the biggest question mark is whether he's going to be, you know, first base DH type player. That's the biggest question mark with him. But he hits the ball very well. He showed power early in the season. I know he was dealing with a little bit of an injury throughout the second half of the season that I think hurt his power production overall. But I think he'll go back and I think he'll end up at triple A next year and I really like the offensive potential there. Yeah, he was a, I think he was the 19th round pick for them or the 21st round pick, something like that, something crazy low. And he's really done nothing but hit since uh, he's gotten into the system. I, I like the bat a lot. I do have questions about the defensive ability, but I think he'll, I think he'll take that next step now that he's fully healthy. Best glove in the system outside of catcher. Who has the highest upside when it comes to their defense in terms of our position prospects? 
Upside, probably Isaiah Drake. I mean, he's got a ton of speed. He, he plays center field. He's clearly a center fielder. I think that's the highest upside. Uh, I would say the best – if I were to give a best defensive grade to any player, it would be Nacho Alvarez. Speaking but I don't – go, go ahead. But I don't think that he has necessarily the upside that uh, Drake does. Speaking of Drake, when it comes to impact on the base pass – Who's the, maybe not necessarily fastest, but who could you see being the most impactful base runner at the major league level of our position prospects? It would, that's a tougher one. Um, I would say Drake. I mean, he definitely has the elite speed. Um, Another one would be Cody Milligan. He's outside of the top 30. Great base runner. I just don't think that he's really – I don't think he's a major league level starter, but in terms of the ability to affect the bases kind of like Force Wall does, he can really steal bases and he can run well. So I like him as a base runner, but I think Drake would take the title there. Outside of Jesse Franklin and, and Dave McCabe, and I put them one too how you would, who has the best power in the system? Do Raw power, just pure raw power, Jeremy Saldonio. If you look at his exit velocities at A-ball this year, uh, it was absurd. I mean, his he was hitting it consistently like 113 plus. Crazy, crazy raw power there. Uh, in terms of like actually able to hit for power in games, it's a little bit tougher. I, there's so many names I'm trying to run through in my head. Um Got to name one, Garrett. This spot's lightning round. I, I know, I know, I know. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to run through the names very quickly in my head uh, that really impressed me last year. But you hit the two that are like really the guys that hit for power. I might have to go, even though we haven't seen a lot of them. I might have to go with Guanipa here, just because. I mean, we know that he can hit the ball a long way. Well, that's 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 certainly intriguing. All right, best velocity. Like, if you were to look at this pitcher, you know that he would be able to, you know, probably hit um, uh, triple digits quite a bit during the game. Be- be- best best velocity in the system. Jared Johnson. Uh, he does sometimes, like, if he's trying to throw in a longer outing, he'll sit 94, 96. But, like, when he's dialing it up, it's 98, 99, 100, 101 every single time. That dude can chuck it. And who do you think would say, you know, uh, currently would, you know, he's projecting as a starter outside of like Waldrop or somebody like that who who's obvious, but someone deeper in the minors that really sticks out to you as p- perhaps being an impact reliever, you know, kind of, you know, like we saw Dylan Lee be over the past few years, just someone who you think may not necessarily, you know, be viewed as that right now, but his stuff could really translate to the major league level as a reliever. Uh, I might go back to Jared Johnson. I mean, there's a lot of command issues with Johnson, but he throws a hundred wipeout slider. He has the raw stuff. He's had a bit of a tumultuous uh, first few years at the minor league level. I think that's been really the thing that's held him back, but pure talent wise, it's definitely there for him to be that type of player. Well, there you have it. You know, the top 30 going through, I know we didn't mention every name, but check out the top 30 write-ups. In, in terms of you know the different five, you know, we, we they go by fives. 
six different collection of write-ups, including honorable mentions as well, but also just, you know, some different best weapons that you see in the minor league system. But Garrett, do you have anything else? You know, I know that we, you know, kind of, you know, we took a bit of time, but that's the whole point. Y'all did a great job putting this list together, but just really wanted the opportunity to spotlight some of the, you know, bigger points, you know, the more intriguing names, I think, that are out there. But anything else people should be looking out for as we head towards spring training? I think that we're really going to see a lot of these pitchers go into spring training and have a lot of chance. You know, we saw it last year with guys like Dodd Schuster, who kind of came out of nowhere to be spring um, rotation options. I think we're going to see a lot of guys going. There are going to be a lot of battles going into spring training with these prospects and a lot of players that are really going to take that next step and put themselves on the map just in spring training. Well, there you have it. The quicker that they can put themselves on the map, the more impactful it is for the Braves. So it'll be great to see. Garrett, where can people find your excellent work? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at BravesMILB. And then my writing is at Battery Power. Uh, we will start, you know, we'll be a little bit slow in February. We don't get a ton of prospect news in February. But once March kicks up, we'll have our preseason stuff start to roll out. And then it'll be pretty much every day we're going to have something going out until – you know, the end of September. Absolutely. His name is Garrett Spain, one of the best when it comes to covering the minor leagues in terms of Braves coverage. Make sure you're, if you're in Braves country, you check him out and all his great work from him and his staff at batterypower.com. Garrett, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll talk to you again, but thanks for taking the time this evening. Thank you. Name's Garrett Spain. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Find all the great content from the Battery Power Podcast Network at BatteryPower.com, at Battery Power SBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast networks. Just hit that subscribe button, and you'll get the latest content when it's available. Until next time, for Garrett Spain and Sean Coleman, go Braves. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Battery Power Podcast Network. (laughs) 